0: Those of you that don't know me, my name is Jared, and um, I'll be reading uh, a chapter out of Genesis chapter 15. So we look here, and I'll be reading it of the New Living Translation. This is the Lord's covenant prober- promise to Abram. So sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord said to Abram outside and took abram outside and said to him look up into the sky and count the stars if you can that's how many descendants you will have and abraham believed the lord and the lord counted him as a righteous because of his faith so for those of you that know the story of abram god really did the impossible through abram He was 75 years old when the Lord appeared to him and said, I will make you a father of many nations. And his son, Isaac, didn't come until he was 100 years old. And supernaturally, he gave Isaac through his wife, Sarah, when she was 90 years old. You know, that's a long time to wait for something that God promised you. If you look throughout the Bible, people have always had to wait for long things. Joseph had to wait a long time. Moses had to wait a long time and Abraham had to wait a long time and you know in life we kind of don't have patience for things like recently last week I was traveling back from Colorado from Karis and I had to return my car from uh, Woodland Park and I had to drive it back to the Denver airport and I got stuck in traffic along the way. And I'm like, great, you know, I'm heavy traffic, you know, I'm on a time schedule, got to get to the airport to get back home. And, um, I was just so upset because I'm, I hate heavy traffic. Nobody here likes heavy traffic. And so I'm stuck in this heavy traffic and I'm just thinking, why is this happening? And then I realized that, you know, it's out of my control. You know, the Holy Spirit highlighted to me, you know, it's, it's, it's those tiny things in your life that you realize you're on time no matter what you're on time you know it could be maybe I don't know whatever it is that you're waiting on maybe it could be you know a spouse that you've been praying for for a long time maybe it could be that career that you always wanted that trip or vacation that you always wanted to take but there's purpose in waiting and it's always those small things that you just need to take your time some time and realize that it's those tiny things that you just think you are on time you know um, 9-11 was a great tragedy that happened in our nation you know 23 years ago this September and there were many people that actually survived that day others um, they got a flat tire in their car and they missed their flight others overslept others you know it was their turn to get the donuts and they were just late and you know they survived And you know, it's always those tiny things in life where you just sit and wonder, why is this happening? But the truth is, you're on time. No matter where you're at in life, you're on time. Regardless if you get the promotion at 20 or if you get the promotion at 45, you're on time. You're exactly where God wants you to be. And so with Abraham, you know, he had to wait that long time, you know, for his son Isaac to come along. But through Isaac, you know, came Not only Isaac, but we have Jacob. Jacob then had his 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. Then through the 12 tribes, we see Moses. From Moses, later we see King David. Through King David, we later see eventually the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So whatever it is that you're waiting on, there's a purpose and there's a specific time for it. And we all have to just sit back and just praise the Lord for what he's done and just realize that we are on time and that's where God wants us to be. So let's all rise. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you are on time. We're all exactly where you want us to be and we just thank you, God, that you sent Jesus to die for us and we just thank you, Lord, that there is a purpose for our lives with time and we just thank you, Lord, that you are the God, that time is in your hands and we just thank you, Lord, for sending us comfort Lord through that in Jesus name, amen so we've been talking about discipleship we've been talking about going deeper with
1: God and this song is that door, I mean that's that place where you make that decision I lay it all down Lord you do what you want to with my life, Lord you lead me you guide me, you take me where you want me to go but we have to make that choice. Whether it's the first time you've ever made that choice, that's, that's how you get saved, that's how you get born again, that's how you begin. You tell Jesus, Lord, I, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I repent, man, I repent, for, I, I, I repent for the sin, obviously, but I repent for the way I've thought that I can do this by myself, that I can do this. I repent, I turn around and I, I go back towards you and I let you be the lord of my life if you've never received jesus that way that's that's the that's the first step but then that's just the first step of weekly daily minutely laying down your life and saying lord you do this you do what you want to we're going to sing this song uh, not the whole song just the the chorus but i want you i want to sing it on purpose i want to sing it with with understanding that that this is what you're saying when you're singing this song, is Lord, you get to be Lord today. You get to be Lord right now. And lead me where you want to lead me. to be Lord you get to be Lord of our lives you get to be the one calling the shots you get the one to be you get to be the one to lead us Lord we're going to make room for you today we're going to make room for you to mess with us and to convict us and to change us and to lead us and to guide us but Lord, I know when we do that, when we make that step, when we we allow you, when we let you into our life that way, you also comfort us and protect us and all the other things that go along with it. Thank you for that, Father. We love you, Lord. We love you, Father. Thank you so much for letting us be a part of this. Letting us be a part of your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we praise you this morning. We continue to praise you, even even beyond the singing, Lord, through the the word and through everything else that we do today. I pray that you, your name, be lifted up. The name of Jesus be lifted up. So that all men, all women, all children be gathered unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and as you're doing that, I just want to thank you for coming back this week. For those of you here last week, we started, already, we've been in the middle of a, of a series, but we, t- we spent some time last week talking about persecution. And I noticed, yeah, whoo! And I noticed that there are some missing. Some actually, you know, emailed me and said, "Hey, we're going to be doing this this week. Don't think we're not coming back for this reason." But I noticed a lot of people moved back. I noticed that today. I don't. Gotta need you to move forward here, you know, in the days to come. But it's good. To, it's good to be challenged. Amen. Good to have to deal with the word. First Corinthians chapter two. We've been starting here. Verse nine says, "But as it is written." What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. We don't know yet. Even now, we don't know. The deeper we get into this, we still, there's still more. There's always more of him. Verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Even the depths of God. The depth, You want to know God? Do you want to know him In the power of his resurrection, the power of Jesus Christ's resurrection. Do you want to know him? Then you gotta go to the depths. You gotta, you know, you can you can know about him, and that's shallow. You can know a little bit about him, but that's still shallow. You you gotta go deeper and deeper. We all need to go deeper and deeper. I encourage you, I implore you, go deeper. Then we were at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Eh, maybe I will. 1 Peter chapter 1, or 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 says, For this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and your virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with. <laughs> Yay! steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for if these qualities are yours and are increasing that's the that is the key in all of this it needs to be continually increasing Needs to be continue, we need to be continually increasing in these qualities. If at any point you stop, and if at any point you just say, that's good enough, I'm deep enough, I'm far enough, I'm, I've gone as far as I need to go, then, then at that point, you actually start moving backwards. If you've said, I'm good, I've got this all figured out, then you already start moving backwards. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind. Having forgotten that he has cleansed, he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore... Brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, if you practice them, if you work on them, let them work on you, but you practice them, if you practice them, you will never fall. How many of you don't want to ever fall? Wow, the rest of you? good Really? Well... (laughs) How many of you want to never fall? I don't ever want to fall. I don't ever want to screw up. I, I really don't. Well, how do we keep from doing that? Keep practicing this stuff. Keep working on this. Keep letting these qualities work in your life. And the more you do it, the better you get, the deeper you go. It says here, supplement. It, it, that word supplement in 2 Peter in the ESV means to add to. Go deeper. So, how do we go deeper? We talked about you need to be a disciple. Not just a believer, but we need to be a disciple. The disciple follows. Wherever the Holy Spirit leads, wherever Jesus leads, and the disciple follows, you're going to grow. Wherever he goes. And we, we saw it during the three years, the three years of, of his ministry on earth. He started calling disciples. They started to follow him, and those those disciples, and it wasn't just the twelve. You know, there were more disciples than that. There were people who were, who followed him on a regular basis. When he rose off the mountain, there were how many? It was five hundred. There were other disciples. There were people who followed him. Though there were twelve apostles, they were the inner circle, and they went deeper. And then there were three who were the inner inner circle, and they went deeper deeper. They saw things the other ones didn't see. They heard things other other ones didn't hear. But they just they kept going deeper. But there were many disciples, but as how do they how did they know? How do we know they were disciples? They followed him. And they went where they where they went where he went, they did what he did for the reasons he did them. And he sent them out. Remember there were 72 sent out at one time. So it wasn't just the 12 disciples the 12 apostles, it was, there were other disciples. 72 were sent out at one time, and when they came back, they went, you would not believe what just happened. We cast out demons. It was amazing. So here's some people who, who followed him, saw the things that he was doing, and then they went out and did them. So what does a disciple do? They go out and do what Jesus was doing, wherever, wherever you are, wherever we are. Disciples, being a disciple. And a disciple is a choice. Disciple is a choice, like we just sang, Lord, I make room for you. You lead me, you guide me. I'm gonna, I want to go deeper with you. Then we talked about what the different add to your faith, virtue, what is faith? I believe in God. Virtue is moral g- goodness, At moral excellence, modesty, purity. It's growing in just being a better person, being, growing in your goodness, growing in purity. Then add to your virtue, knowledge. And what knowledge? It's the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not the knowledge of TikTok. (laughs) Then add add to your knowledge, self-control. He who masters his desires and passions. We're supposed to continue to grow and we're supposed to be self controlled. We're supposed to, you know, we're not supposed to have to have a word from the Lord every time that we shouldn't eat something or shouldn't go somewhere or shouldn't Google something. Let that one sink in for a second. We shouldn't have, the Holy Spirit shouldn't have to convict us every time we're on the edge of doing something that isn't going to bless us. We, we, it, we should be able to do that ourselves. I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to eat whatever. I'm not going to eat that, drink that, smoke that, whatever it is, that is. We shouldn't have to be externally motivated. We can be internally motivated. By what? By the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not what would Jesus do, but what did Jesus tell me to do? That's what we do. We do what, he, what he's told us to do. And how do we know what, what he's told us to do? By his word, the knowledge of Christ. But then add to your self-control steadfastness. And that's where we started last week, and we went deeper. We're going to go deeper today, but I'm going to give you a little bit of hope. Just a little bit, just enough to get you through today. Today we're going to turn the corner. We're going to turn the corner from talking about being persecuted, persecution, suffering, Oh, and we're going to turn to how. How, do we, how does God help us through that? There's hope. So we're going to turn the corner, but not now, in about 35 minutes. We'll turn the corner. So hang on for a little bit longer. We're going to go a little deeper and then we're going to turn the corner. So turn to somebody, nudge them, and say, hey, we're going to turn the corner. Just hang on. We're going to get there. It's okay. No problem. Go to Matthew. I'm just hitting the highlights from last week, taking about a few minutes here, because we're going to spend some time here and, just, and, 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 and then flesh this out even deeper. But I, for if you weren't here last week, I want you to catch up with us. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. This is Jesus speaking. He's speaking to believers. He's speaking to, the, to us. Uh, Verse 10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we talk about if you want to be blessed, put yourself in a position to be persecuted. Wow, that was a better reaction than I got last week. (laughs) Last week I was like, uh, ooh. If you want to be blessed... Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted. If you want to be blessed, wait a second, wait a second. Pastor John, I thought all we had to do was give in the offering and we'd be blessed. Well, that's, you know, you can do that too. You know, there's a blessing that goes along with it. That's not what we're talking about here. If you want to be blessed, if you want want to, to, to receive the kingdom of heaven, well, then you have to be persecuted, Yay! Whee! You know, there's actually I'm not even to those verses yet, but we're gonna get to those verses where, not today, but we're gonna talk about we're supposed to rejoice when we're persecuted. Nobody does that. Nobody wants Yay! I mean, I did last week a little bit because and I did at the staff meeting when I talked about that we've been getting comments on our on our videos on our uh, YouTube and our our uh, the different things we different platforms that that basically saying that I'm preaching uh, heresy and that I'm uh, you know I'm I'm they're pointing me and saying he's a false teacher and all that. yay praise God we finally got there do you know what you have to do to get persecuted and be called a false teacher teach the truth. Preach the truth that Jesus is the only way. That Jesus, the, the name of Jesus is the only name under heaven by which men might be saved. You preach that and you're going to be persecuted. I've had somebody say, I told you a story a few weeks ago, you're a cult. You must be a part of a cult. If you believe that Jesus is the only one, I was like, no, actually, the truth is I've been called a freak. I've been called, I've been called all kinds of things. That's okay. Praise God, I've been counted worthy to be persecuted for the cause of Christ. Now, was it fun? No. I don't like being called names any more than you do. But we got to look at it from a different perspective here. It's not about how I feel. It's not about how I feel. I don't know, for those of you who are friends of mine on Facebook, you saw I posted something this week. It was awesome. I love it so much. I actually might play it someday. And it's a guy, he's a, he's, a, he's a former Navy SEAL. He's a former Navy SEAL instructor, and he's a believer. And he says, I'm not a motivational speaker. I just tell you the truth. And he goes, he goes if you're a part of, of anything, any kind of team, and you're more worried about you than you are about your teammates, you're selfish. And he says, Jesus said you have to die to yourself. And when you die to yourself, when you, when it, when you don't care anymore if somebody calls you a name, you die to yourself. I don't care anymore. I don't care what 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 the outside world, I don't care what the world thinks, I don't care what I don't even care what the church thinks. Because we're gonna talk about that in here in a second. Who who do we get persecuted by? It's not just the world. You know the church can persecute you for preaching the truth. Been there. Done that. I've said some things and I've had pastors Actual pastors malign me to my face. Yell and scream at me. Yay! Whee! <laughs> Rejoice. Why? Because Jesus got, got, got persecuted by who? The religious leaders of the day. I'm sorry, I'm going way ahead of myself. Back up, back up, back up. Steadfastness, constancy, endurance even in the in the greatest trials and the greatest sufferings that's why we're talking we're not this steadfastness isn't about that isn't specifically about uh uh, persecution but it's about being steadfast secure not moving in the greatest trials in the greatest persecutions in you don't change you don't move. You stay where God tells you to stay. You go where God tells you to go, and it doesn't matter what anybody else says. That's why people were persecuted throughout history. Throughout history, they would say, and it didn't matter whether it was from the world or from the church. I can give you all kinds of examples. How many of you have ever read the Fox's Book of Martyrs? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. It's not it's not like you know the uh, fun afternoon grab a cup of tea. This is something that I mean, you, you want to get the world shaken out of you and the love of God shaken into you, pick up a, a copy of Fox's Book of Martyrs. Because it's story after story after story of people said, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the church says, I don't, Jesus. I'm going to serve Jesus with all of my life. It doesn't matter. There's two, there's, there's different versions. There's the old one, then there's the, the modern, the more modern one, where it talks about people that have been persecuted in the last 50 years. People who said, No, I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. They said, Well, we're going to kill you if you do. Okay, I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. Horrible sufferings but you want to get your faith built up. You want to, you want to be a part of something that matters. Because if you, won't, if you won't give in to the pressure when you're declaring truth, there's going to be somebody who notices that and go, ooh, yeah, that's real. There are stories about people who were, who were, who were cast into the, the uh, Colosseum and in different areas. There, were more, there was more than one Colosseum. There were more than one place where Christians were, were killed. And they would stand there and pray, just seeking God, worshiping God as they're being killed. And, and there's stories after story of people while that's happening that the guards are watching it, and they drop their swords, and they walk, and they... <sighs> They stand next to them because they're moved, because they see it's real. In your workplace, if you, if, you, if you actually take a stand and you don't care what anybody else says and you keep speaking truth with love, you are going to affect people. How do I know that? Because I've seen it affect people. I know people. People who are saved because there were Christians in their workplace and just kept loving and kept loving and kept standing and kept standing. And they saw the difference. And when people see that you will not back down in pressure, they want to be a part of that. They want to be a part of something that's real. But you know, in, those, in the Fox's Book of Martyrs, it wasn't just the world that was persecuting people. Do you know there were people that were burned at the stake by the church? They were persecuted by the church because they just dared to say, no, it's, it's faith alone in Jesus. It's not works. It's not how much money you pay the church. It's not about buying indulgences or doing any of that stuff. No, it's faith alone. They were rounded up and they were killed or they were harassed or they were chased or whatever man, my favorite one. Oh, what's the youngest kid in here? Hopefully I don't freak anybody out. My favorite one. That's the one I remember. It's the one that just immediately, it pops into my head when I think about this. There were two, actually it was three, three believers that were standing against the Catholic Church, and saying, no, is through faith alone, it's through Jesus Christ alone, it's through, it's through his, his blood alone, not through works, not through any of those things. And they were going to be burned at the stake, one at a time, so that the other ones could watch. And they said, they said to the first one, who said, he volunteered, he said, I'll go first. And they said, if there's grace in the middle of it, lift one finger. So he was tied to the stake, he was surrounded by wood, he was oil was poured all over him and the wood. They lit it on fire. Everything was engulfed in flames, but he was still alive in the middle. And they're watching him. And he does this. He raised two fingers. There was more than enough grace. More than enough grace in the middle of it. Now, nobody wants to, you know, it it scares people. You know, It, 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 it scared me for many years. But we have to make that decision now. If you don't make the decision now, the moment there's any kind of pushback against what you're saying and what you're believing and how you're living, you'll quit. You'll quit if you haven't made the decision now. There's grace. We're going to turn the corner. Trust me, we're going to turn the corner, really and truly. But I want, I want us to understand that, that this is absolutely worth it. What Jesus did on the cross was absolutely worth it. It says in the New Testament, it says, For the joy that was set before him... He endured, endured, the cross. Hupomino, it's my favorite Greek word, hupomino. Hupomino is translated endured, which means he saw it and he didn't go, oh gosh, as they drug him towards it, oh, and he went through it. No, it says he set his face towards it and he went right through that thing. He did it with joy in his heart. The cross was not something he shied away from. We think, we think just because at the, at the garden he's saying, he's saying Lord, you know, if this cup be, 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 you know, can, be, can pass from me, let it be sowed. But not my will, your will be done. He wasn't talking about the cross. He was talking about the sin being poured into his life. Because he had never experienced sin. He was born without sin. He lived without sin. But he knew the cup the cup of our affliction. The cup. The cup was the sin being that was placed on him. And he was saying, if I don't I don't want to do that. Because he loves his father. But once it happened, he never turned back. Once he, once he received that, not my will but your will be done. Not but the moment he received that, from that moment he went forward towards that cross. Even when he he could have talked his way out of it, guys. Do you notice that it, it makes a point to say that even while they, were, the, while they were judging him and they would ask him direct questions, he would not answer their questions. He was as a lamb being led to the slaughter. He, he, the only thing he would say is, well, you're saying it. Are you the king of the Jews? Well, you said it. Are you, are you this? Are you, are you, are you, are you gonna, what are you going to say about these? He just stood there. Why? Because it, you see in all the other areas, for three years, whenever they would come to accuse him, he would just ask them a question, and they'll go, oh, pff, yeah, never mind. We're sorry. He could have he talked his way out of it. He didn't want to. Because he knew he had to endure that cross for you and me. And in that, in that suffering, the Bible says Hebrews says that it was in suffering he was made perfect. He learned obedience through the suffering. We don't want to talk about suffering. Man, we're 21st century Americans most of us. There's a couple of you guys out there that are But we're 21st century folks. We don't want to we don't want to suffer. Suffering is sitting on the hard chairs. Suffering isn't, you know, we don't want to suffer. Nobody wants us. That's why this, this sermon is like, yeah. But I mean, there's so many verses. I, I really am not going to read them all. I, I just, not because it's not, they're not good. They're phenomenal, but, but there's so much it talks about. We're going to deal with this. In this world, you will have troubles. But... Here's where we can turn the corner, but not yet. Not yet. We're going to turn the corner. But you could turn the corner here. You say, but, Jesus said, I will deliver deliver you from them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but... Blessed are those who persecuted for righteousness, righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things against you, falsely, on my account, even if they're lying about you. I didn't say that. Well, okay. Rejoice! Rejoice with me. Just real quick here. Let's just kind of step up. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Still haven't turned the corner yet. We will. We will. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow. Then we talked last week about Paul. How Paul said he was harassed. He, he received a, a, a thorn in the flesh. And I showed in three different areas, three, three different ways. One is that the Greek word for harassed is actually multiple beatings. Multiple sy- systematic beatings. I don't have time to go into all of that right now, but you can listen to last week's on, online. That harass is not a sickness, that, her, that, her, that word harass is not a deformity in the body. That word harass is that he was systematically hunted down and beaten. And he, he gives the list. Beaten with rods. Beaten with, with the cat of nine tails. He was, he was stoned. He was, you know, that whole list. And then at the end of the chapter, that was, that was the chapter before. Then he talks about the thorn in the flesh. And then the last Part, was saying again about the sufferings of the beatings and the harassment. and the, 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 So, so the, the messenger of Satan was a spirit where he, he incited people to, 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 to beat up on Paul, trying to stop him and to keep him from being the guy that God called him to be, to from being the apostle that God called him to be, to, to keep him from going where God called him to go. They try, he tried to beat it into him and beat it out of him. And Paul just kept going. That, that story, when, when he got stoned and he was left for dead. I mean, you know, stoning. We don't, we don't, we don't get that. We don't, you know, we're not talking about just stones, small stones. We're, they'd even, after the person was down, they'd pick large stones up and drop them on them. Drop them on their head. Drop them on their body parts. Many, many times they were co- completely covered in stones. It says that the disciples stopped after the, after the, the persecutors left. It says that they, 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 they prayed for Paul. He stood up, and what did he do? Ran! He ran as far away as he could. That's it, I'm done, I'm out of here. No, it says he went back into town and started preaching again. That's powerful. We played a video here many years ago. I, I don't even know how to find it anymore but it was about the Chinese church. And they were interviewing one of the pastors in the Chinese church. And they said, have you ever been in prison? And he kind of of laughed. He goes, we've all been in prison. Everybody in that church. They said, we've all been in prison. And he goes, really, how how long have you been in prison? He goes, I've been in prison three times. He says, "I, I was caught preaching the gospel. They put me in prison for 10 years. He said, after I was let out after 10 years, I walked across the street and started preaching the gospel. They arrested me again. They put me back in prison for 10 years. They let me out after 10 years. He says, I walked out and I started preaching the gospel again. They arrested me again. And he says, I got put in for 10 more years. He says, I've been in prison 30, for 30 years of my life for preaching. Whew. Talk about, you know, after 10 years, you'd, you'd think you'd come to a little sense. You know, you'd, you'd figure some of this stuff out. But instead, you go right back across the street and you start preaching again. That takes guts, man. I know that guts is not really a spiritual word. I don't know what the Hebrew is for guts. <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> mino, probably. Probably. My goodness. I don't want anybody to laugh at me at work. I don't don't want anybody, I don't want my family to think I'm judging them. Oh, come on. Man, I don't want my family to stand before Jesus without him. I don't want my I don't want a single person to say as they're being judged and I'm in the other line for them to go why didn't you tell me? I know this is hard. I know this is heavy. And you don't hear it all the time. Come back. Come back next week cuz we'll have turned the corner by then. But it's good to hear it, man. It's good to hear it. It's good to be challenged. It's good to be reminded. Cuz we our lives are so awesome. Our lives are so blessed that we can get soft and we can start to make decisions based on our comfort rather than on him. So, who did Paul experience persecution from? Was it just the world? No, we already said that before. It wasn't just the world. It was, it was many, it was a, there was a number of different places. Last week I quoted Rick Renner from a book that he wrote. I'm going to read a little bit more from there, just a little bit, and uh, give you context of what I'm talking about. He wrote, Paul endured many afflictions during his ministry. Many of the afflictions he faced were due to the religious leaders. We talked about that. Who so fiercely opposed him these religious leaders included Jewish leaders who hated him and his message. They also included false brethren. Oh, that's right. Do you know that you can receive, you can, you can get persecution from the church? The, I mean, I'm not talking about the leaders. I'm just talking about other people. I'm just talking about, I'm just talking, take a, take a, take a, just a real, 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 real calmly look to your left. And then look to your right. Not going to say it, but it was from other people in the church. Oh, that's exciting! When are we going to turn the corner here, PJ? You ever been persecuted by the somebody in the church? Yeah, it's okay. But remember, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. It's not them. It's not them. They may be. They may be used. May be being used in the moment. But it's not them. What did Jesus do when the people were were crucifying him? What did Jesus do from the cross? He prayed for them, and he said, Lord, don't hold it against them. They don't know what they're doing. When it's people, because persecution can come from people. I'm going to show you a little bit here in a second where persecution can come from outside of people. It can come directly from the, the spiritual world. It can come from life itself. Persecution and, and suffering is not just from the hands of people, but when it's people that you love, man, that's the hard part. When it's from people that you know, it's from people that are in relationship with you, that hurts. But we still can't, you should not ever hold a grudge. You should never, never look at that person and go, oh, yeah, I remember what you did to me. I remember because they were doing what they do. They, they, they're being a person. Just think of all the people you've offended. <gasps> I don't have to work real hard to think about people that I've offended, that I've hurt, that I probably didn't treat right when they were trying to walk right with God. I might have been one of those people that persecuted them in that moment. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Because that's that's the ones that hurts. That it hurts from the worst is when it's somebody you love and respect. They also included false brethren who were constantly trying to displace his position of authority. In the local churches paul has what was resisted outside the church by leaders of the jewish faith who hated him he was also opposed from within the church by those who wanted him out of the picture so they could take his place of prominence i just heard about a pastor in the last couple of weeks here i just heard about a man and i did not know this about him i i've known him for many years i didn't i had never heard all of his story but he got up and preached on a sunday one sunday and he preached on holiness he preached on following god with all of your heart and to that there might be some things you need to lay down that you need to walk in a way that god leads you and and, and guides you and not be affected by what's what's going on around you what other people are trying to t- lead you to do he got done with a sermon he went home he got a phone call that afternoon And and the phone call was from the elders of the church who had just voted and told him, he says, you're done. Have your stuff cleared out of the the parsonage by tonight. You can get persecuted by the people that you're serving, that you're walking it out with. Now this man, this guy is amazing. He doesn't live anywhere around here. You don't know him, you'll never know him. Actually, he's in Oklahoma, so I mean, yeah, that's so remote, I mean, you'll know. I'm amazed I know him. But in hearing that story, he talked about how he had to forgive them, because they didn't understand what they were doing. Within three months, that church no longer existed. I mean, it ended. God ended it. Series of events, and that church, they, they closed their door, and it's never opened since. God can take care of it. God God can take care of you. You just need to walk in love. Thus, the biggest thorn in Paul's life was the fact that he had to deal with different groups of people who covertly planned the problems and hassles he frequently faced in the ministry. A special a special a special messenger from Satan perhaps even a demonic angel, had been sent to incite these people against Paul. Satan worked through people against Paul. Religious people, yes, Roman government people. It's not just the government. You know, the, the guys, the government is not that big a deal. The government is a bunch of, you know, not, there's, some, there's some saved people there, but there's mostly a bunch of lost people making dumb decisions based on what they don't understand. We need to pray for them. Yes, and at times they've tried to close down the church. But you know they can't close down the church? Do you know they can't stop the church? Because the church doesn't have a door that you can lock. The church is not a building. Pastor Greg preached a great sermon a few weeks ago. Church is not a building. Who's the church? You are. We are. They can't close that down. Where two or more are gathered, there he is in the midst. And if they try to do stuff like that, they're going to suffer, man. I'm just pray for mercy for them. But they're just people. They're just lost people trying to make decisions based on... Ignorance. But then you can be persecuted by random people. Paul says, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty six 26, says he was in danger from robbers, in danger from his own people, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, and in danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, and danger from false brothers. He goes, there's people all over the place that Satan wants to use. And if they uses them, okay, but here's the deal, don't stop. Oh, we are seconds away from turning the corner here, Folks. Don't stop. Don't stop. Because if we don't stop, we are that close to walking into the fullness of the blessings of God. You're already in the blessings, but seeing them manifested in front of you. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. He also said it came from toil. This is first, or 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. 27 says that it was also in toil and hardship. He had to work hard. He had to work hard, and it was hard. Many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure of the anxiety for the churches. Wait a second, I thought we're supposed to be anxious for nothing. Yeah, well, walk that out. When you tell me how you can walk it out perfectly, let me know. There's times I'm anxious. There's times I'm anxious about situations in this church, in in the other churches. We need to be, there are times when we have to, okay, Lord, it's not my deal. It's not my deal. I'm going to trust you that you're going to sort it out. And he does. But Paul even dealt with anxiety. 2 Peter 1.5 says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Do you know it wasn't just in Corinthians where we were reading it? Here it is here, too. Isn't this interesting? 2 Peter 1 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self control, and self control with steadfastness. Steadfastness, constancy, endurance, even in the greatest trials. We have to, be built into our, we have to build into our, our discipleship training steadfastness. Don't quit, don't quit, don't quit no matter what comes up against you. Galatians 6.9, and I'm going to close with this. I'm going to read this verse. I'm going to tell you one quick story, and then I'm going cl- to turn it over to Tally. Galatians 6.9 says, And let those not grow weary. We're turning the corner. Nudge somebody and say, we're turning the corner. Here we go. It's all going to be up from here. All next week is going to be, woo victory. All right. Just give yourself a big clap because you made it through. You made it through two full sermons of toughness. Here we go. Galatians 6, 9. Praise God we got to this verse. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. If you don't give up, if you don't give up, you're going to reap. Okay, now, I, I spent some time talking that it isn't just uh, uh, persecution or hardships through uh, uh, the world. It isn't just through hardships through the church or other people who persecute you. That was really important. We talked about that, though. It was good was good to deal with some of that. But it's just also hardships, stuff that gets hard, stuff, natural stuff. Paul, we had just read a bunch of verses that talk about that, hard stuff. And if you don't quit, you're going to Reap. And as I'm as I'm writing this over the last few weeks, the Holy Spirit reminded me of a story that He wants me to tell you. I don't want to tell you this story. The reason I don't want to tell you this story is it shows a time where I screwed up, where I failed. There was once, just once, but it was a no. It was one of the big ones, and I'm not talking about some deep dark sin. It's a it's a story of where I where I gave up. But what that did, well, I won't, I'm getting ahead of myself. Many years ago, I don't know about you, if you're old enough to remember Phil Kagey. How many of you know who Phil Kagey is? Oh, gosh, we just... Phil Kagey uh, is probably one of the best guitarists that's ever lived. He's a believer. He's, he's been around since the 60s. He's been around forever. And I love Phil Kagey's music. I mean, I love it. I've, I've been to... How many concerts have we been to, Ron? How many concerts do we have? At least two or three that Ron Bruin and I have gone to his concerts. It's just wonderful. I, I love Phil Keggy. And I just, all of a sudden, one day in prayer, I just had this, this thought. We should bring Phil Keggy to Stillwater and do a concert in the park, down, up, down by the river, a free concert, and, and then let, when, when they come, then, then we can share the gospel. I thought that was a great idea. I think I, I prayed about it, and I really felt convinced. Yeah. We need to have Phil Keggy come. We need to have him come, and he's going to play, and we're going to do this. We're going to do an outreach in the city, and I was so excited. And so I, I went through all the places to find out where you could, how to get a hold of Phil Keggy. It's not like the internet today. I mean, this was 20-some years ago. This was, this was when, you know, you actually had to call people. Do you know how to get a hold of so-and-so? I finally got a hold of his manager. And I said, hey, this is the idea I've had. We want to do this free concert downtown in our right next to the, the river. It's beautiful down there. And I said, we'd love to have Phil Keggy come. And I said, uh, "You know, what do you think? And he, he said, what dates are you looking at? And I said, these are the dates. He goes, oh, man, we're wide open that week. Absolutely. We, this sounds like something we'd love to do. I was like, yeah, we're moving forward. I talked to some people, and I said, hey, what do you think about Phil Keggy coming? They're all going, yes, that's a great idea. So then I asked the the promoter, I said, how much? He said, $16,000. And I went, oh, crud. I don't have $16,000. The church doesn't have $16,000. At that time, the church was probably in debt more than $16,000. Well, I know it was in debt more than $16,000. And, and the offerings were like, Phew. I mean, it wasn't like we were going to get a bunch of extra money in the natural, in the natural. And I was like, oh, 16000 And for the next number of weeks, I sat and was just like 16000 Where's that money? Oh, gosh, I don't have that money. Where am I going to? Oh, gosh, and that's a lot of money. And I mean, we'll, we'll look stupid if we only raise 14000 Oh, that. And I started worrying and worrying and worrying, and I put my focus, I wasn't putting my focus on him, who is the provider of everything. I was put, on, not on him, Phil Keggy, but on God. Right. I was looking at our lack. I, w- I was looking at the lack, and I bailed. I bailed. I told everybody we're not doing it. I, I just, there's, I can't see how this could happen. I'm out. I called the promoter and I said, I'm so sorry for wasting your time. We're not going to do this. I, I just can't even imagine where I could get $16,000. I said, please forgive me. And he's like, well, you know, God's, God can supply. <laughs> yeah, I wish I'd have listened to him. And I just said, I, I'm out. We're, we're done. I'm not going to do this. And that next week in prayer the Holy Spirit said you failed. Now, that failed wasn't a slap across the face. That failed, that him saying that to me was not him saying you are such a loser, you're just an idiot and you blah, well, you know. He just said you failed the test, John. He was honest with me. And in that moment I said, I'll never do it again. I'll never make that mistake again. And since that day, we've done some crazy stuff here. Crazy financial stuff. We we've, we've done some crazy things. Now it didn't happen overnight. And it took faith and it took patience, and it took, you know, working together. It took you. It, you know, we, we paid for a four, 300 — well, it's 300, plus we did the rest of the building. I think we raised what, 350, or 350,000 dollars in, in four years, less than four years, to do everything debt-free. We're doing other things debt-free. We have a coffee shop that should be being built, but isn't going to be built because of other things. But we've got the money sitting there. It's just, you put your trust and faith in God and you don't quit. Don't quit. That's the point of this story. Don't quit. Don't pull up short. If you pull up short from what God is telling you to do, if you, if you give in to fear, if you give in to doubt, if you give in to, to what everybody else is saying, you're going to miss it. Don't miss it. We are in a season of time where it's time to, to nail it every single time and to go. And to, you know, there are things right now on the horizon that I have no idea where the money's gonna come from or where the supply, where the things are gonna come from. But I, I know one thing, I know who does. Our God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. No doubt. No doubt. Man, I'm so excited to watch. I mean, it's like the vision keeps getting bigger and God keeps saying, okay, here we go. Because I guarantee you, man, I guarantee you, I am not going to hear those other words again. I mean, I may run right into them. So why don't you come with me? (laughs) Amen? Well, that was also the offering right there. That was the. (laughs) Your God shall supply all your needs. But it takes people. It takes the body of Christ. Tally, wherever you're at, why don't you come on up and grab the microphone. But it takes the body of Christ giving in to what he's doing. It says that men will give unto your bosoms. He doesn't say you know, that, that, that it, will, it will fall from heaven in gold coins. It says that people will give. That's where we come in. That's where we partner with him. We partner with the vision. We partner with what God's doing here in our local church, but also what he's doing throughout the valley, through RVFM. If you want to give, if you want to be partnered with RVFM, I encourage you. You can do that on the RVFM website. You can actually put it in the memo on the RVCC website. The the, The box back there, you can write it on your thing just like anything else but we need to be a part of what God's doing in the process of it and in that we will see we will see the vision of God fulfilled amen